At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then, book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable to you want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three stakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. A new head coach and boy genius Mike McDaniel, the fastest cheetah to ever roam the football field, and an actual left tackle? Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. Before we jump into a fresh episode of Finsider Radio, Jake and Josh want you to please, please, please hit that subscribe button if you haven't yet. Subscribing to the show is the best way to know when Jake and Josh have something cooking in the kitchen. iTunes, Spotify, it doesn't matter. Following helps others find the show, and we want to thank you for that. Now, let's talk some dolphins. Clock has been stuck at zero, zero, zero for 48 hours, and I am still over here smiling like an idiot. Welcome into Finsider Radio. This is the Jake and Josh show, and I'm not sure if we can feel that magic resonating from Sunday's win, or this just my co-host Joshua Houts. Josh, holy moly, what happened on Sunday? 
Jake, it's been 48 hours and I still don't know exactly what happened, but I mean, this was just an awesome performance an awesome game. And, um, you know, at some point it felt like it was the same old dolphins and they proved us wrong. So I'm glad to be back on here. Glad to be able to talk dolphins football with you. How have you been, man? How have these last 48 hours been for you? Because again, this has been an epic victory and, uh, it's been very special. I owe a huge apology to my dad, first and foremost. I don't know if it's just the uh, generation gap, but, you know, we're sitting there on Sunday and it's Tuesday. Everybody knows what happened at this point. And, you know, Miami scores on their opening drive uh, to get on the board. I think it makes it 14 to 21 at the time. I'm sorry, this is all coming off the cup, but but every single time the Dolphins scored in that second half, my dad was just doing the math. He's like, well, if we score now, we force it. And I, whole whole time, I was just brush him off. Like, <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay, Lamar Jackson just ran for an 80-yard touchdown run, and you're telling me how we're going to win this game. Okay. But, man, oh, my God. The Dolphins snap a 711 run of teams that are just out in front by 21 points in the fourth quarter. What an incredible, incredible tale, Josh, that we got to see on Sunday. Yeah, man, it's funny you say that because I was sitting there. I think I was talking to the voices in my head. I think I sent my family upstairs. It was just me. I took my Tua jersey off. I was all superstitious. Um, but it just seemed like one of those days where, you know, the Dolphins were going to find a way, right? I mean, you're saying about how your dad sat there and did the math. But, uh, oh, my God, man, I cannot believe the Dolphins ended up rallying behind, coming back in this game. And we have to talk about Tua talking about Lola's performance because he just played absolutely incredible, for being honest. Josh, it was a an outstanding, outstanding day from the entire offense. I think Tua actually leads the league right now with in passing yards with 739. He's just first like we, in touchdowns just like we expected, seven. right? Just like we drew up at the beginning of the year. I think his over-under on the year was like 4,000 passing yards. He, he's going to blow by that at, at this rate, dude. It, it's absolutely insane. I mean, this offensive performance, uh, initial reaction, I mean, you, you see that touchdown pass to Jalen Waddle and, and two things came into my head Josh and this is what I think makes this Dolphins team so special and it's week two it is week two we could be coming back here in three weeks and looking like fools but these two points are why I, I think it's it's different one Josh the Dolphins scored their fourth touchdown of the fourth quarter their fourth touchdown of the fourth quarter with 14 seconds left on the clock over the years, I've talked myself into so many, so many, so many different Dolphin teams. I talked myself into Ryan Tannehill being the guy after he lost to Denver and quote-unquote kept up with Peyton, Peyton Manning. My favorite Dolphins jersey is a Jay Cutler one. The Dolphins did nothing with Jay Cutler. It's a freaking joke. This year, what we saw on Sunday changed everything. The Dolphins scored their Fourth touchdown of the fourth quarter with 14 seconds left. Lamar Jackson had two plays. Lamar Jackson, the same guy, everybody was posting gifts all over Twitter about where's my money, which deservingly so. Lamar Jackson, man, that guy is freaking incredible. But you score your fourth touchdown of the fourth quarter with 14 seconds left to put away the game. That is something I have never seen before in my entire life. In my world, the Dolphins are used to, you know, scoring there's a buck 30 left on the clock there's 50 seconds left on the clock and that's more than enough time for tom brady that's more than enough time for aaron Rodgers to come down and rip our hearts out the fact the dolphins were that team the fact the dolphins showed they were not too big for any sort of moment again it's week two i understand 
But the fact that we have a rookie head coach, you see what's happening with Nathaniel Hackett. You see this, some of the struggles other rookie head coaches around the league are having. Matt Eberflus, Justin Fields, I think, threw the ball 11 times this week. Mike McDaniel did not flinch. That is completely new. This team feels completely different. And to me, that is why right there. Yeah, it's funny because McDaniel talked about during his press conference, you know, how he told his team that he wants to see them overcome some sort of adversity, you know, adversity is opportunity. Dude, he never in his wildest dreams thought they'd go down 28 to seven at the half. And I mean, at the beginning of this thing, Jake, it just felt like that's so Dolphins, right? The very first kickoff is taken to the house and you're just sitting there like, Son of a bitch. is this going to be, you know, what we're, you know, we were so high off last week's win. Is this really how this game's going to go? And every time the Dolphins seemed to do something, Baltimore had an answer. It wasn't until I think you said it was an 80, was an 80 yard run, 79 yard run yeah. from Lamar Jackson. At that point, you know, the Dolphins kind of latched down defensively. They came out in that second half and dude, you mentioned how you never saw this. I know you're young, but, and I live in Pennsylvania, so I didn't get to truly understand Marino's greatness. Didn't truly get to mm-hmm. watch all those games, but dude, that's exactly what this felt like. You know, the Marks brothers, Mark Clayton, Mark Duper, Tyree Hill, Jalen Waddle, Dan Marino. I I know people are going to be upset. Boomers are getting mad right now. Dan Marino, Tua Tungavailoa. I mean, he went out there, man, and he was just picking apart that secondary. And again, they were banged up. Marcus Peters was banged up. Um, some they of those other guys. Yeah. Those shoulder pads are on. There no yeah, excuses. Those shoulder, shoulder pads were on. He was on. out there. He was in single coverage. And, I mean, it just seemed like every time the Dolphins touched the football, they were going to make a big play happen. And I, I don't know, man. Tua just looked more confident out there. He just was seeing things better, and he was anticipating some of those throws. I mean, you saw some of the – there was a video going around, you know, 10-plus yard passes in this game. I mean, he is anticipating some of those windows when the receiver is, you know, behind a defender. It is just um, everything that we've expected. Again, it's week two, you know – temper expectations but dude this was the type of performance you want to see out of Tua time below this was the type of performance that Dolphin fans have been clamoring for you know since tank for two and all this and yes I said it at one point you know we all had doubt at some point over the last three years I mean your freaking head coach that you just had wanted a sexual predator you know I'm a Dolphins fan I'm a diehard to a guy but at some point you just think okay maybe I was wrong and these guys mm-hmm. see something that we can't see but dude he went out there put it on the line completed 36 of 50 passes for 469 yards and six touchdowns. Again, he had those two interceptions. Some of those you sat there and said, come on, Tua, why, why'd you throw that ball? I mean, typical yep. Tua fashion, but when you go out there and throw six touchdowns, overcome that, I mean, uh, I just, I don't know at what point I thought we'd again see this offense, see this type of explosiveness, but um, when you had a rookie head coach, when you thought that this offense was going to take some time coming out of the gates, to see this happen against Baltimore again, back against the wall, 35-14. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it, man. You could not have asked for a better performance out of Tua Tagovailoa, at least in that second half. I don't think, I I think I'm becoming like a, a, in a sense, like a third down guy, because I feel like that's one of the first stats I always look at is third downs, Josh. They were so good. Seven from 11 on third down. And Josh, I want to go through most of these third downs ended up being touchdowns. So I, I think this is probably a fun way to go through this. Third and 13. From the Baltimore 14 yard line, uh, I want to preface this by seeing saying I see a boatload of people on Twitter saying Mike Jasicki and spelling it like I have a hardcore Boston accent. I feel like I'm being attacked on that. I'm okay. I'll, I'll happily laugh at myself. But everyone's saying like, uh, no, we can no longer trade Jasicki and put it like that, dude. I don't think once once I was ever pro pro trading Mike Jasicki, but man, this play. If you want to see what a volleyball player looks like in the NFL. This snag by Mike Kosicki was absolutely incredible. This guy almost hit his head on the goalpost because he was going above that rim to friggin' swat down a, a spike. Josh, 
how refreshing is it to see, despite his boomerish touchdown celebrations, a happy Mike Kosicki is a happy fan base. I, I don't know if there's a more simple, you know, algorithm than that. No, man. And I mean, again, we weren't pro Trey Mike Kosicki. We just felt like maybe he was going to just not fit in this offense. But you saw when they game planned him, when they got him out there and let him be kind of that receiver. I even wrote down he wasn't terrible at blocking. There were some plays to, to Mostert, uh, Mostert. I still don't know which way is the right way. There were some plays where you saw Mike Kosicki out in front making blocks. But, dude, this might have been the best throw I've seen from two. It was third and 13. I think they rushed two, dropped nine in coverage, and you just saw the post open up. And I don't know if it was because all the defensive backs were too concerned with Tyreek Hill at the goal line. I mean, he kind of curled around, and there were three guys on him that gave that one second. But Tua put that ball where only Mike Kosicki can make it. He made a hell of a toe-tap grab. And um, again, I, I don't know how I cannot be a fanboy talking about this because that was just a hell of a throw. He seeded that thing in there. And Mike Kosicki to go up there, like you said, damn near hit his head on the goalpost and come down with that grab. Uh, as cliche as it sounds, that's pretty much what turned the game, right? I mean, at that point on, you kind of felt that momentum swing. And um, it was just all the two of a Lois show from there. And, and two, like, it's an interesting case study on – this play is exactly what people mean when they say Mike Kosicki doesn't fit the offense. Like the Dolphins aren't asking for this every play, right? This is such a situational opportunity where you can throw it so far up in the air, know somebody's not going to be behind you and put it only where your, uh, you know, your tight end can get it. So for all the hype, I'm still interested to see how there are going to be different ways to utilize Gasicki's strengths because I think there was a rollout, I think, Josh, in the first half where uh, he threw it to Gasicki on the run. Uh, he maybe got like a five-yard gain, and, and the, but he was tackled from behind, right? So you're still not really using his talent where, you know, he can sky high and catch all these balls. So I think that's going to be one of the interesting develops in terms of, yes, we can get him involved and we can have him catch these four, five, six, seven yard receptions, but we're going to start complaining that that's not the effective offense. You know, that's, those are the plays that create seven for 11 on third down opportunities. So I think that's an interesting challenge for Mike Daniel, and I'm ready for him to be up for it. Josh, third and goal from the Baltimore two yard line, the Miami Dolphins go back to their favorite body of water in River, right? It's going to do it. River Craycraft. Josh, I think the best part of this uh, play you got a little bit of a uh, little taste of Madden here with that nifty B button spin. Yeah. Well, I was going to say circle. I can't, I can't be saying B, but it, it did, <laughs> it did feel like you just took your wet clothes and put it into the dryer and just watch that thing go in a circle. Right. I mean, he knew exactly where that defender was coming in. He pulled off that nifty spin move and then credit to river Craycraft. You know, he was on the other side. He ran a little whip route and he came all the way across the field to get into a tongue of a lowest um, vision and Tua just put that ball right on the money. I mean, again, he was wide open after he came across the field, but that was a hell of a play on third and two. And that nifty spin move was kind of what did it. But Jake, we liked the Gasicki touchdown. We liked the one to Craycraft, but nothing got us Here more excited go. than on third and 10 from the Baltimore 48 when Tua Tungavaloa hit Tyree Kale for a 48 yard touchdown. Um, Marcus Peters, um, he thought he had Kyle Hamilton in coverage behind him. Um, he seemed worried about Jalen Waddle underneath, but Tua put that ball there. I know a lot of people are saying it was underthrown, this and that. You got one of the fastest, if not the fastest players in football. Get over if he has to stop for a second. I mean, he had to do the same thing with Patrick Mahomes. Tua put the ball right where he needed to, and that was the big play that, you know, we've been waiting for. We were expecting since preseason. You know, we saw, heard about in training camp. That was just a game-changing play, and it just um, – I mean, I got up and I was just punching air, swinging, screaming. Tears might have been rolling down my eyes. I did not know how to handle myself because at that point it was what? Um, 
35-28. I'm trying to do the math here. Is that what the score was at that point? Um, I, yeah. I don't I yeah. don't know if that... Okay, so I, I was good with math. But, dude, that was a hell of a play. And you just saw, too, I think he even felt the pressure coming off the one side, stepped over to slightly to the left or to the right, and then just heaved it up. And, again, you couldn't ask for more. Tyreek Hill put on the Jets, scored a touchdown, and Dolphins, man. Um, that explosive offense that we continue to dream up in our dreams, you know, imagine when you're daydreaming throughout the day. I mean, we saw it on full display this Sunday. So one of my favorite questions, Josh, and you know, this is for me to just simply ask, okay, but what's different, right? What's different about this team? Josh, this is the situation third and 10. How many years did we spend watching Jarvis Landry get tackled two yards before the sticks because posing defenses know where the sticks are. They're trying to prevent you from getting a first down. And breaking news, they all know Tyree kills really fast. What is happening here isn't blown coverages, Josh. It's the fact that this is a defense that's playing the sticks. They're trying to keep the play in front of them. They're trying to get Miami Dolphins to punt. So when a defender, someone in the secondary, is playing those sticks and is a little flat-footed, dude, Tyree kills is going to blow right by you. And I think that's just such an important note to make that Third and 10, Mike McDaniel wasn't necessarily looking at just, hey, let's get the sticks and keep moving. You know what the defense is trying to stop you to do. So you can just go over the head of that, man. This was such a fun sight to see. And I got to ask you, did you did you hear the name of this play? Is it Was it the f*** it, the f- it play? Is that what it's called? <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm allowed to swear. That might be beef, but yes. Yes, I think it was the Peter King. He wrote about it, that it was called the F it play. Three receivers on the left, Tyreek Hill on the right. Uh, and, and to me, man, it's just really, it's it's really, really special. And I can't say this enough. I mean, Nathaniel Hackett, he's struggling to make basic plays. He's calling a timeout because there isn't a kick returner on the field on punts. And the fact that, you know, this was a play, I think it was either Tua or McDaniel were talking about, that it didn't work. This is a play they practiced a lot of times and it didn't work. And Tua came out and said like, hey, you know, I really like this play. Let's give it a shot. And just the fact they have something in that in their back pocket and it worked and it doesn't have to be a miracle. I mean, I think that is just so impressive in itself too, that, you know, Hey, we can scheme our guys open and we can say F it and, and let them make a play. Yeah. It reminds you of the Dan Marino gift that goes around where he's just like F it, send it in. Right. I mean, yeah. it was just funny to read the quote and to hear to us say, yeah. I mean, he, he sounded like so naive, like, yeah, man, I, I really like that it play. Let's, let's try to run that if we ever get down. So um, perfect timing to call that play, but you're right, man. Those defenders were definitely playing the sticks. Definitely didn't want to give up that first down. But I mean, when you're looking back at it from our perspective, you just think of all the guys to game plan for, you need to be aware of where Tyreek Hill is. But at the same time, I mean, Jalen Waddle is just as explosive. I mentioned how this was a two of time Lois show. We have to talk about Tyreek Hill, 11 of 13 targets, 190 yards, two touchdowns. Jalen Waddle, 11 of 19 for 171 yards and two touchdowns. Absolutely unbelievable what they did it. But Jake, it was all well and good. What, 35-28? Is that where we're at right now with the score? 35-28. But then the Dolphins on third and six from Miami's 40. Tyreek Hill, a 60-yard touchdown. He was one-on-one with rookie Jalen Armour Davis. He had no safety help. It looked like the Ravens rolled down to the bottom of the screen where there was a bunch formation. Tyreek Hill was at the top wide open. And he just, again, didn't look like he had any chance, thought he had safety help. And Tyreek just blew past him. I have a video dropping at five o'clock. Um, it said um, where, how it started and how it's going. And it's from that to a tongue of a low, a touchdown pass from his national championship game. And then that Tyreek Hill one, because it just looks like a mirror image of that. But um, again, we knew Tua had this in him. I mean, a lot of people were speculating whether he could hit that deep ball, but you know, we saw it earlier with Tyreek Hill. We saw it again there and Tua, he just, you just have to give him credit because he sees something in the defense. I don't know if it's pre-snap 
what it is, but he knew where he was going with that football. And again, you just had to love seeing Tyreek Hill throw up the deuces. I think Jalen Waddle was what yeah. Jalen Waddle was about ten yards behind him, also throwing him up. So, um, I, Giddy man, Giddy's the best way to explain it. This is a Madden offense, right? I mean, I think it was Tyreek Hill that says just going out there. Mike McDaniel's basically calling plays like he's in Madden, getting the ball into his playmaker's hands, and that's just how it seems. Two parts of that play, man, make me smile so much, and it has nothing to do with the actual play. The the Tyreek peace sign, and you can see the second Tua throws it, and they start moving the camera down the field. I think Jalen Waddle was going over the flat. He was somewhere over the middle. You see him already celebrating before Tyreek Hill has caught it. And, and I just had these horrible flashbacks of, you know, we tried this with Jakeem Grant. There were these opportunities. Like, this isn't, like, rocket science. Like, there's a situation like this. Like, it's possible. The fact that we're seeing it, though, man, is, is a whole different universe. It is a whole different universe. And I guess maybe this is what we should come to expect as Dolphin fans. I thought you were going to say at the end of the game, I think Tyreek Hill was doing his presser and he said, yeah, I saw I was one on one on one coverage. And I kind of said it to it. Yee, yee, yee. Like I'm, I'm, I'm open. And when, and I think he even said like when, when Tua hears me say yee, yee, he just knows to get me the ball because that's the type of chemistry we had. So uh, I'm dying just thinking about it, but man, what a game. And we didn't even talk about the game winner, right? I mean, the Dolphins managed to get the ball back. They managed to get downfield, and with 14 seconds left in the game, Tua Tagovailoa escaped pressure, moved up in the pocket. I mean, a lot of people question what Tua does great, right? It's his accuracy. It's his ability to move yep. around the pocket. It's, you know, throwing receivers open, I guess. But, dude, seven-yard touchdown to Jalen Waddle. It looked like uh, they were trying to do a little pick there with Tyreek Hill underneath, but that didn't work. And then Jalen Waddle, again, Tua escape pressure found Jalen Waddle and put the ball where only he could get it. I think the play before that, he also almost hit Jalen Waddle in the back of the end zone. So give me your thoughts on this, man, because when you're a defense game planning for, I mentioned how explosive Tyreek Hill is, Jalen Waddle's just as explosive, man. You Then you got the big dudes like Mike Kosicki. I mean, how do you stop this defense and, or how do you stop this offense? And I guess uh, the Baltimore Ravens on Tuesday are still trying to figure that out. Ben, it's week two, and I'm going to say something I didn't think was possible. We got to give this offensive line a little bit of credit. Hell yeah. It's something, it, it's kind of an awkward scenario where the, the offensive line hasn't been great for years. And if you watch that uh, Buffalo, Tennessee game the other night, Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill isn't the best quarterback of just maneuvering around pressure and escaping pressure. And what we're seeing out of this offensive line is you have three solid to we can debate about how high you want to go here in Toronto Armstead, uh, Big Bob Hunt and Connor Williams. But even, you know, how bad Liam Eikenberg is in terms of PFF is bad. You know, your backup right tackling Greg Little has been in terms of PFF. These are guys that are giving two of the chance, right? They aren't seeing these, you know, blindside blitzers just come up and eat him instantly. What you're seeing is an opportunity for him to step up in the pocket, roll out a little bit, attack that open space. And that's a luxury even the Dolphins haven't had in the past. And then just the fact Waddle was able to spin back inside or work his way back inside and Tua just put it up where he could get it. That is kind of an interesting throwback to, you know, we used to yell a lot about how uh, Tua just has to let his, make, let his guys make a play, right? We, he has to be more like Ryan Fitzpatrick and just throw it up there this is more of what we meant by that instead of just the ryan fitzpatrick yolo he threw it up it's kind of like the gaziki play where you have a db uh you know chasing in pursuit he's not gonna be able to jump that high if he's chasing waddle i mean it's just very smart football and the fact it worked the fact it was so clean i mean that on top of it man is just adds to that magic i do want to ask you josh i mean Jalen waddle 11 targets 
excuse me, Jalen Waddle had 11 receptions on 19 targets. Tyree Kill had 11 receptions on 13 or 14 targets. How sustainable is this? I don't think this is something they can do every week, but but the fact they showed this and, and the fact it is possible when you need need to do it, you know, utilize these guys to the max. I mean, what were your feelings there? The fact they were able to make two wide receivers eat all game long. Yeah, man, you mentioned all those targets. I'm looking, Mike Kosicki then was third with uh, four targets. He caught four of four for 41 yards, or yeah, for 41 yards that touchdown. You wonder how much Cedric Wilson, you know, getting knocked out of the game. I think it was a rib injury, you know, changed things. But I think, I don't want to say it's sustainable because 19 targets, that's absurd. You know, 190 yards for Tyree Kill and two touchdowns. But you see that Mike McDaniel knows who his, you know, playmakers are. Tua knows who his playmakers are. And again, you mentioned it, he's starting to trust what he sees and make some throws that, you know, he just would not even think of last. Last year, um, I have to throw this out there. Greg Harvey said teammates to have 150 plus receiving yards, 10 receptions and two receiving touchdowns in the same game in NFL history. Only Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill. I think there was then another stat from Cameron Wolf that said uh, Tuatama Loa's six touchdowns versus Baltimore tied Dan Marino and Bob Greasy for the most in a Dolphins game in history. His 469 pass yards are fourth most in team history. Only Marino has more. And Oh man, I'm I'm just getting goosebumps. But you're Jake, you're so right when you say that none of this would have been possible without that offensive line. Yes, Eichenberg had a 22.8 pro football focus grade. Yes, you know, I was personally a little bit concerned about Connor Williams and his snaps from preseason heading into that week one game. But dude, this offensive line just looks night and day. And I don't know if it's just because we're so used to misery. You know, we're so used to having a bottom there five offensive line. But even Greg Little, I mean, we talked about him in the last podcast. Was there going to be that big of a drop-off between him and Austin Jackson? I'm sorry, Austin Jackson, I'm going to say no. I thought Greg Little played well. So um, you're starting to see the offensive line gain confidence. You're starting to see two gain confidence. And um, again, it was all put out there in that second half. You just hope that the Dolphins can bring it all together, right? I mean, you don't want to have that game, you know, that first half where you're down 28 to seven. I mean, it almost felt like a game of Madden where, you know, the computer kind of lets up on you, right? Or you get that lead of Madden and the computer just goes crazy and just co- comes back and does the improbable. I want to see them go out there and put a complete game forth, but um, that's just nitpicking at this point, man. I just cannot believe the Dolphins went out there 42-38, got that win first time since 1997. I mean, we can sit here and nitpick here and there, but I mean, it feels damn good to be a Dolphins fan, but um, you just hope that we don't go into next week overly confident and end up feeling like the same old Dolphins. Yeah, two two things, and we'll jump into a break, and then obviously on the other side, the two FS will continue. One, I mean, Dan Marino in the locker room afterwards even kind of said, you know, hey, it was kind of like I was out there, you know, just the electricity. He looked and- like he was crying a little bit, didn't he? He looked like a proud dad in the background, too. It was like... Yeah, that, that great, great moment. You know, I don't know how sustainable everything is. And, you know, if this is going to be like a long term, like franchise defining play. But the fact we can finally put like a performance in the same category as Dan Marino and even for Bob Greasy at that matter, another Dolphins Hall of Famer who threw six touchdowns to me, man, that that's just that... That's something I'm not used to. I mean, I've been trying to look at Ryan Tannehill's stat boxes sideways for years, trying to get jazzed up. Uh, Josh, before we go into break here, Terry Kill, 190 receiving yards, the most by a Miami Dolphins pass catcher since 2012. Who was it? Was it Brandon Marshall? That was going to be my guess. Who was it? I was wrong. Do I have to revoke your Dolphins Twitter? Like... <laughs> Is, is yeah, that like, too like, is, is that too far back, Brian Hartline? What what's the answer here, man? Brian Hartline, <laughs> baby, Arizona Cardinals. It was the OG Ryan Tannehill oh, Arizona God. Cardinals game, and two reasons to bring that up. I'm always going to mention Brian Hartline because I think he had 200 and something yards and just a single touchdown, which made it look awkward. But 
like Ryan Tannehill had his Arizona Cardinals game, this game means we can finally put to rest Miami's game against Arizona two years ago <laughs> that we loved about Tua. This is now the new standard. I love it. I am jacked up. Let's take a break on the other side. More Tua talk and some defensive concerns. So stay tuned. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. 521 point comebacks since 2000. One of them's Tua Tungavaloa, who now has three fourth quarter comebacks in his career. Josh, everything changed in that fourth quarter. Tua was averaging 5.6 air yards through three quarters. The fourth quarter, that absolutely ballooned to 11.1 air yards. And Josh, we have a stat here that kind of hints at hey, Mike McDaniel made life miserable for these. Uh, Baltimore Ravens defensive backs on Sunday. Yeah, man, you have written down here, and I I must have missed this. Baltimore's defensive backs ran 6,131 yards, the most since the start of 2021 uh, via next-gen stats. So, I mean, we mentioned their speed, but when you're trying to trail them all day long, you know, every play one after another, I mean, that takes a toll. And maybe that's why that secondary was so, I don't want to say deflated, but maybe that's why some of those big plays happen in the fourth quarter when you're chasing out Jalen Waddell and uh, Tyree Kill all game long. We do have to mm-hmm. mention, and we don't know how long this is going to stay this way, so let's make sure we just t- talk about it all week long. First in the NFL in passing yards, two a time below is 739 yards. He is also first in the NFL with touchdowns with seven, and I wrote down just like we expected because, of course, we expect that heading into the year. Two has already set a career high with five touchdown passes of 10-plus air yards under new head coach Mike McDaniel. He had four in each of the first two seasons. That's according to Next Gen Stats, and again, it just goes back to how night and day this offense has become, whether it's Mike McDaniel's scheme, whether it's Tua Tagovailoa taking that next step, whether it's bringing in a Tyreek Hill, whatever it might be, it's all coming together. We're already in week two, and he already has more touchdown passes of 10-plus air yards than we saw last year. And we know how much, you know, critics and haters and, you know, alike would bring up that stat. You know, talk about the dot, this and that. Tua is moving every, you know, they're starting to move every goalpost trying to find a negative with Tua Tagovailoa. And after that game, it's definitely much harder than, you know, they ever expected. Josh, my last little question I have for you about the Miami Dolphins offense. Mike McDaniel, I mean, man, I can't say enough how much I enjoy listening to him talk because I heard someone say this, and, I, and I'm so sorry I can't, uh, you know, quote it or, or give them acknowledgement, but basically the conversation was along the lines of part of a job being a head coach is to take the conversation off of the game. You know, you don't want the reporters just beating you over the head with questions all the time. And I think Mike McDaniel is such a great job of taking the spotlight off the game and like, Hey, Hey, you know, our coach said something funny, but one thing he said that really stood out to me is that McDaniel said, I hope Sundays feel different for Tua. And Josh, with that, just a quick two-part question. One, how do you take that quote? And two, does Sundays feel different for you moving forward? Man, Sundays feel so much different. I'm probably still gonna have that pessimist, you know, side of me, the typical Dolphins fan. Where, yeah, it, it, it is the Bills. They, Here we go. <laughs> yeah, what I think they won nine in the last ten, but that's besides. I think he was basically saying about the confidence, you know, right, going out there and just proving that you can, 
you know, make a mistake, you know, don't get too down on yourself, go out there and make up for it in the very next play. I think there was even, um, I think he even quoted something like that, but I, I absolutely feel different heading into these Sundays, Jake. And I, I guess it's a lot different than how I felt two weeks ago. Right. I mean, we all had high hopes for this season. We all thought, you know, this could be a different Dolphins team, but we are seeing it now with our eyes. The last thing I want to say about the offense is Tyree Kill at the end of the game said that, you know, last week he talked about Mike McDaniel needed a wheelbarrow for his big kahunas today. This week he said that Tua will now need a wheelbarrow for his big kahunas and all the money he's going to make at the end of the year. So that's something that got to stay in the back of our mind, right? You know, Dolphin fans wanted to pay this quarterback, that quarterback, you know, someone to go out there and give Lamar Jackson the moon. Tua Tungvaloa at the end of the season might be looking to cash in on a payday. And as of right now, you know, he's leading the league in so many statistics that the Dolphins really would have no choice but to grant him this wish. The ticker is telling us that we got to wrap up soon so josh i want to run through some defensive things real quick one i gotta ask you man do we have concerns about nick needham he struggled in week one i think where he was actually the b word in the second half i think he was benched for darth cater mike mcdaniel said he had a look in his eyes pff has Darth Cater as the third ranked cb in coverage over the first two weeks played 25 snaps on sunday so josh darth cater stock rising nick needham stock falling or is it a little more complicated than that that's how it looks to me, right? I mean, I love that Mike McDaniel said he just saw something in Darth Cater's eyes that, you know, made him throw him out there. And in the second half, we saw a much different Dolphins secondary, right? I mean, I've written mm -hmm. down here, I think Brandon Jones early on was in Mark, covering Mark Andrews. They put Eric Rowe on Mark Andrews, and I know he got a stop on a critical third down, made some other plays there. So um, I love that this is what Mike McDaniel does, right? We talked about how if he came into a situation where he needed to bench an offensive lineman, bench a defensive back, what would he do? He went out there, benched. Again, Nick Needham, at least that's how it seemed. And Darth Cater went out there and played pretty well. I do have to mention Brian, Byron Jones. I mean, you're starting to see how the secondary looks without him in the lineup. I cannot wait for him to come back and, you know, be a part of that with Xavier Howard, who, oh man, Xavier Howard, should we talk about that? I mean, Rashad Bateman, I mentioned how he gave me a little bit of concern in this game, but then Merrick talked me out of that. And I said, oh, he's going to be locked down by Xavier Howard. I was 100% wrong on that. Yeah, Xavier Howard was chasing guys around all day. And actually, the same thing is true for Javon Holland. Those two kind of concerned me a little bit. Uh, you know, they just couldn't. I mean, it's a lot more complicated than I'm going to say it. But I mean, they they could not keep the play in front of them. I mean, we, we spoke about that time and time again throughout the preview podcast that, hey, you got to keep these guys in front of you. You got to turn these into 15, 20 play drives and force those mistakes. And man, we just didn't see that. We will need to see a big bounce back game for both Howard and Holland. And hey, if we need to ask that from two players, I think those are the two guys I want to ask it from. Josh, to wrap up here, let's give some credit to Miami's front seven. They stopped all more at the goal line. There was a huge stop at Miami's 40 late in the game. Trey Flowers, Landon Roberts combined for the tackle. Zach Sealer made a massive stop on third and one to uh, kind of slow up Lamar Jackson. So, man, give your flowers to this front seven because it is turning out to be everything we wanted and also that bag of chips. Yeah, and early on, again, it looked like they were struggling and they gave up some big plays, but uh, they bend, don't break, right? I think there's a Zach Sealer. He was mic'd up and he kept saying, you know, bend, don't break. At one point, I think the Ravens almost had a 30 minute drive or something. And the dolphins ended up stopping them at the goal line on that fourth yep. down. So, um, you know, just never giving up, just going out there and, you know, taking one play at a time. I mean, I guess that's what Mike McDaniels preached and that's what we're seeing. I do have to mention Jalen Phillips. He didn't have a sack, didn't really make any splashy plays, but according to pro football focus, again, take it with a grain of salt. 
him and Zach Sealer were the two highest graded defensive players. So um, again, we need to see more out of the Dolphins defense, but you're going against Lamar Jackson. You're going against a uh, pretty explosive offense. I mean, you expected to see some of those big plays, but you definitely need to tighten up. When you head into a huge divisional matchup against the Buffalo Bills, which Jake, I don't know if you saw, but the Dolphins are four and a half point home underdogs. The over-under set at 51 and a half. I think that's one of the highest over and unders that they've seen all season long. And I mentioned earlier, the Bills have won nine of their last 10. Um, but give me your thoughts, man. I mean, uh, early thoughts. We'll talk to Merrick tomorrow, get his thoughts on this game and turn the book. But 2-0 Dolphins, 2-0 Buffalo Bills, Tua Tungvaloa versus Josh Allen. I think they're both in, what, top three in yards. I mean, give me your thoughts, man. Give me your quick thoughts on that game. I've never seen a heavyweight battle featuring, well, quote-unquote heavyweight battle featuring the Miami Dolphins this early in the year. All I can say is everybody should go, go, and enjoy every piece of content you can about this team. Miami's fifth in ESPN's power ranking. They're flirting around that same number at NFL.com's power ranking. And to kind of close the book here, Josh, don't sweep Jalen Phillips and those stats under the rug. Because when you're getting ready to play a team like Buffalo, a team that can beat you if you're going to blitz a, bo uh, a boatload of guys, you're going to need to get to Allen with four or at least disrupt him with four, but also contain him, right? You don't want him running around like a bad man. And to see that Jalen Phillips, hey, if he played well, but the stats don't really, you know, line up with that, that means he was doing a great job containing, filling his role, basically realizing that it's bigger than stats. So that's going to be interesting going into next week. But above all else, man, we just got to enjoy this. I apologize if we've, you know, sounded like little schoolgirls throughout this because um, everyone at home, don't lie to yourself. You too sounded like little schoolgirl when Tyree Kill threw up that peace sign and tied the game. Yeah, someone again, Julia Child or someone was in here cutting onions and I was just, I was tearing up a little bit because again, man, you mentioned it, how big of a win have we seen? We haven't seen one of these huge wins in a long time. And now we just go out there and take care of the Buffalo Bills who have been the Achilles heel in their side. But guys, enjoy all the content. Like Jake said, there's lots of uh, experts and analysts eating crow today. They're going to be doing it all week long. Enjoy this victory because they have a huge test this Sunday against the Buffalo Bills. For the Jake and Josh Show, part of SB Nation's Finsider Radio, that's Jake Mendel. You can follow him on Twitter at J-M-E-N-D-E-L-94. I'm Josh Houts. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. We will be back on Thursday with our middle-of-the-week podcast with our good pal, Merrick Brave. But until then, enjoy this victory, and most importantly, fins up. Fins up. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Cause we're the Miami